0: Father, once again we uh, come to you acknowledging that you are here and uh, we appreciate your presence but more than that, Lord, we, we acknowledge your authority in our lives and the authority of your word and because of that we ask you, Lord, as we open our hearts in humility, as we humble ourselves before you, we ask you that you will pour out your spirit. And touch everything about us, Lord, every fiber of our being, our hearts, our emotions, our minds, our souls. That the truth of the word of God will permeate everything that that we are. So that we can become more and more like Jesus. Because the world needs Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to uh, John chapter 2, the Gospel of John chapter 2. And I'm going to uh, start from uh, verse 23 all the way to chapter 3, verse 15. Now, while he was in, this is Jesus, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the sign he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. In chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee during this time. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus asked, how can this be? Or how can that happen? And Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel. Don't you understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you concerning in in, in earthly terms, but you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak in heavenly terms? Verse 13, no one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus was referring to himself. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then, the famous scripture, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so whosoever believes in Him may have may not perish but have eternal life. All right, so we've been uh, going through this, like I said, like, uh, week after week this year. We're gonna talk about Jesus, nothing else. We need to understand Jesus according to how the Word of God defines who Jesus is, right? So, uh, this morning, I want to talk about Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? According to this passage, I would like to title this message as Jesus, the loving and a patient teacher of teachers. Compassionate teacher of the truth. And in this passage, we will learn That Jesus, first, he knows who he really is. He doesn't need anyone's approval. And point number two that we're going to learn when it comes to the truth, Jesus is pretty much very blunt. And he is not politically correct. (laughs) And then this morning, Jesus is a kind and patient teacher especially towards those who hunger for the truth. So we look at the context of the, the story. At the time, he was, it was during Passover time, the celebration of the Jews in uh, the f- beginning of the year, the, the celebration of Passover. And then, yeah, he was cleansing the temple. And when he did that, the leaders challenged him Show us the authority, what kind of kind of sign, because the Jews are all about sign. You know, we want to see the signs, the, the miracles you perform. And then and Jesus, according to what we just read, he knew who he is. He has no problem. It's almost like, you know, we're under pressure, people get tend to, to be self-conscious about who they are or they're not. But there's a difference between self consciousness and self-awareness. You know, Jesus, Jesus' self-awareness is very high and accurate. And it says in chapter, chapter 2, verse 23, he said, he doesn't need anyone's testimony. He knows what in the heart of man is. And they asked for a sign. He gave them the greatest sign he could give. He said, Destroy this temple, means he spoke of resurrection, which is the greatest sign, but they didn't believe him. And according to verse 23, he said, but Jesus did perform many signs while he was there in the temple, and many believe in his name. Unless we we know who we really are in God, you and I will not be able to communicate the truth of the word of God effectively somehow we will sort of beat around the bush. We sort of try to be politically correct or to be accepted by people, but and we fail often to speak the truth as it is. We will see it here in, in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. So, here we come in this situation. While Jesus, you know, the, the writer of the, the Gospel of John wrote how, Jesus doesn't need any man's approval. He knows who he is. And he knows what's in the heart of man. And then this man came at night. His name is Nicodemus. It says that in, in, uh, in verse, verse 1 that he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. And uh, he is a member of Sanhedrin. And St. Heron is the highest ruling body in the Jewish community. And they are powerful, like very powerful. And they are very antagonistic towards Jesus. All right? You got to understand that. They are very antagonistic. However, there are a small group of people in, within this, this uh, Jewish ruling council that discern something about Jesus. And one of them is Nicodemus. So... Uh, so he came at night obviously he came at night because he didn't want to be seen as associating with jesus because maybe the fear of persecution but at the same time there's obviously there's a level of hunger because between him and his friends that could see the signs that jesus performed so the first thing he said to jesus and he said to jesus rabbi we know that you are a teacher comes from God. Because we saw the sign. We've been watching what you, the way you perform signs and wonders. We conclude, there's a group of us. There's a conversation, us and you guys. We can see that you actually, you, you are a teacher from God. Now you've got to understand, when Jesus met this guy, now, those guys, the, the Sanhedrin, they look, they stand up amongst everybody in Israel because the way they dress, the way they, the way they dress up, the way, they, you know, all those things. You can see, oh, this is a Pharisee, this is a Sadducee. You can see them. So, can you imagine Jesus knowing that this group of people, they're antagonistic towards him and then came towards him at night? What would you do, someone that you know? It's totally against you. Come to you at night. You be on your back foot. You know, right? Is that what Jesus did? No, he did. No, that, that's not what he did. Because he says, I don't need anybody's testimony. <laughs> I know who I am. And here's the thing. Humanly, you might be guarded. So like, okay, who is this guy? And then he came to Jesus and he said, Rabbi, He called Jesus rabbi. That is massive. In the Jewish community, I'm just doing a rough, rough uh, presentation here. There's three stages to to get to to that point of being a rabbi. By the time you're between 6 to 10, you're being selected and being taught the Torah. They call it the Torah which is the five books of the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy. And you have to know them by heart. Six to ten, like, whoa. (laughs) And then after that, from uh, 11 to 14, then you move to a next level called the Bet Talmud, which is, it's like, Pretty much, you study the the rest of the Old Testament, and you're supposed to know them by heart. So that's that's massive. <laughs> Some of us can't even remember John three sixteen. <laughs> These guys are serious. And then by the time they're fifteen years old, they get to this classification called. Uh, midrash. which means they now get to the point where they are given the privilege to be able to interpret or reinterpret the law. Massive, it's very rigorous. And then they become a rabbi. And you notice Jesus Jesus used his position as a rabbi in reinterpreting the law in a uh, Matthew chapter 5 to 7, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. You know how Jesus said, you have heard, love your neighbors, but hate your enemies. But I tell you, so he reinterpreted the law. Love your enemies. And he, you know, he, he said many times about the law, you, you have heard, it is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, so he reinterpreted. What was he doing? He was using his privilege as a rabbi. You see. So this guy came to Jesus and acknowledged that Jesus is a rabbi. Now, if there's any insecurity in Jesus, like wow, that's nice, you know. Especially after the opposition that he faced, he faced in the temple. It was like, wow, a rabbi recognized me as a rabbi. So the conversation started really well, and he said, "We know that you are a teacher." I came here to represent some of the people who actually recognize and we discern the validity and legitimacy of your mission, Jesus. So we respect you. We've been watching the signs you perform and conclude yet. No one can do these signs. I want you to to underline that. While Nicodemus said no one could perform these signs that you are doing, Unless God were with him. And then Jesus answered, No one can see the kingdom of God. <laughs> I can imagine the conversation just went down. Phew. Started with Nicodemus just like giving this. We understand we we can see that. And he said, But no one can do the signs unless God is with them. And Jesus said, No one can see the kingdom of God unless. He is born again. What Jesus is trying to say is this your problem is you're all, you know, be read from the previous passage, right? Because they ask him for a sign. You are so preoccupied with signs, whereas Jesus is preoccupied with being in the kingdom of God. They were pre- preoccupied with performing where Jesus was preoccupied with being in the kingdom of God. So, it's starting to, it's almost like the conversation went sort of, went south, sort of thing. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And I can imagine Nicodemus was taken by surprise. It was as if Jesus ignored his 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 statement and just went for the juggler, just said, No. Nah. No one. It's great that you can decide you can discern the signs and wonders, but that's not enough. You need you need to discern better than that. And then from here on, you notice. What started as a teacher-to-teacher conversation, it has transitioned from teacher-to-student conversation. Jesus now becomes the teacher over Nicodemus. So Nicodemus responded, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb and be born. Now, this idea of being born again, there are two meanings. Be, being born again, or it could mean being born from above. In Greek, this word again could also mean above. So uh, the question is, was Jesus talking about being born again or born from above? Okay, let's, let's look at Nicodemus' response. He said, how can man... Be born when he's old? How can he come and enter again into his mother's womb and be born? So, how, what is he hearing here? What is Nicodemus hearing here? Being born, not what? Again, because he said, how can he go back to his mother's womb and be born? So, what Nicodemus was hearing Jesus saying is like a repetition of the birth process, right? And then look at Jesus' answer to him. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So Jesus reclarified what he was saying. Pretty much Jesus is saying this, I'm talking about different kind of birth. What you, what you understand as going back to your mother's womb that is still a flesh birth. Even if that was possible, for example, somebody goes back to the mother's womb and then be born again, it's still flesh give birth to flesh. So I'm talking about a different kind of birth. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And then Jesus used a metaphor, a natural earthly metaphor. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, the move of the Spirit is unpredictable, just like the wind. Obviously, within the context of that culture, they, they don't have the technology to know where they came where the wind comes, where it's going. So Jesus was talking about the unpredictability of the move of the Holy Spirit. It's like, when I read that, I can understand what, what Jesus is saying because it's like when I was born again, both Diana, we were born again, there's no outward sign in us. Nothing changed about me outwardly. But there's something in the inside. We knew something is happening. It's like you can see, but you can feel it. You can't tell where it's going. You can't see it, but you know there's something happening inside of you. How many of you have experienced that? Yeah? That's the move of the Holy Spirit. I remember somebody, remember that, that Anglican missionary in Bandung? He, you and I went to him, and he actually had to explain to us, because we were saying, we feel like Diana, we were so excited about Jesus, we went to, to this guy, and then we, 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 we explained to him how we felt, and he gave Diana a book written, I can't remember who it was written by, a book called Born Again. He said, what you guys experience is the born again experience. You can see there's no change outwardly but something happened in the inside. So at this point of conversation good old Nick started to get hungrier. He wants to know more. He started to get a little more desperate and he said, how can this be? Now this is the kindness of Jesus. In kindness, Jesus acknowledged him as a teacher. And Jesus said to him, You are Israel's teachers, teacher. Don't you understand these things? So he, Jesus acknowledged him as a teacher. After acknowledging Nicodemus' position, then Jesus started to point out the problem. Let me tell you the problem here. In verse 11, he said, I'll tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. That is your problem. Can you see how Jesus first acknowledged his position as a teacher? Okay, you're a teacher. You don't understand this thing. Let me tell you, this is the issue. We testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. And then Jesus also said, "I have spoken to you in earthly terms, when He gave the the the, uh, the metaphor, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I if if I speak in heavenly terms? And then Jesus." In verse 13 No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He was referring to himself. So, what he's saying is, I am qualified to speak on heavenly terms. So, Jesus very kindly acknowledged his position. Number two, and number one, number two, he pointed out the problem. The problem is, you guys don't believe our testimony. And I've given everything, I've tried, but you still don't believe it. And then he gave the solution in verse 14. He used Moses because obviously, as as a Pharisee, Nicodemus would know what Jesus is saying here. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, Nicodemus, when he... Heard this, he knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Because there's a story in the book of Numbers where the people rebelled against God. God then, you know, caused snakes to start to bite people. Snakes in the wilderness. And can you imagine snakes, poisonous snakes? And people died. So, what Moses did, God told Moses to make a bronze snake and then hold it up on a staff. And let the people look at this bronze snake. And everyone, this has literally happened in, in the time of Exodus. And everyone, when they saw, and when they looked at the bronze snake, they got healed, they got saved. So Jesus said, just as that happened there, he said, I will be lifted up. He was speaking, obviously, of his resurrection. And every man who sees me and believes will be saved. The issue Jesus, Jesus uh pointing out was your unbelief, but the solution also is believing. Really. If the issue is unbelief, then guess what? The solution is believing. And the issue of anything in our lives. Nicodemus tried to understand everything. Jesus said, no, it's not understanding that you need. It's believing that you need. <laughs> I want us to say this. Can you say it after me? It's not understanding. Everybody say it. It's not understanding that produces faith but faith produces understanding. Can we say it again? It's not understanding that produces faith, but faith produces understanding. The whole born-again experience that I had, we didn't understand it. We didn't get it. But when we believe, start, started believing, all of a sudden, well, it all makes sense. That's what faith does. People tend to try to make sense to believe. No, 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 you need to believe and then it will make sense. I've heard many stories, people ask many questions. You talk about Jesus, you know, I just don't understand this. But, And then when they got saved, they, they said, I have all these questions. The moment I started to believe in Jesus, it all makes sense. Those questions don't mean anything to me anymore. Why? Because faith gives understanding, not understanding gives faith. There are many lessons in, in this passage Obviously, the teaching of Jesus, how faith produces understanding, but also Jesus gives us an example how to tackle people, even the people that we feel threatened by. He comes a man from a group, the antagonistic group. And the way Jesus handled him. He didn't hold punches. He told the truth as it is, but he didn't get arrogant about it. He was gentle. He was respecting towards this man called rabbi. And I was, I've been guilty of that too many times. Many of us Christians We get defensive about our faith. Why? Because we know the truth. (laughs) Because we have the truth. That's great. But let's let's allow that true confidence in God. Let that produce gentleness in how we approach people the way Jesus did. He did it because remember he it says he didn't know anyone's testimony. He doesn't he didn't need anybody's approval. So there's he didn't feel under threat by anybody. And I think often we we in that way, but sometimes the church, when you talk to the people in the world about churches, the first thing they say well church people are unkind yeah as a matter of fact let's just say this we are called to love people all kinds of people I'm not talking about compromising I'm talking about and no, I no, forget that we just want people to meet Jesus and in our desire for them to see Jesus, we need to be Jesus with them and love them just the the way they are. I don't care who they are. The first thing we need to think they are created in the image of God. And only Jesus can restore that image bearing quality. So the first thing is knowing that Jesus is the answer We're just an agent. Hey, you come to Jesus. We love you anyway. He's going to fix you. Just come to Jesus. Forget the issue. The issue is not your behavior. The issue is your believing system. You see? We often make the lifestyle and the the behavior as the issue, but we see here, Jesus didn't talk about whatever. He just said, no, your problem is the believing. I think as the Church of Jesus Christ, somehow I think we need to regain that credibility by being Jesus to people and love people unconditionally. Right? So, my thing is first, I want to pray for some people here. Now I want to focus on Jesus there are some people here who don't know Jesus. Let's all of us raise our hands and I want to pronounce blessing of all of you. Just lift your hands up and receive blessing from God. Father, in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus, I pronounce it. An open heaven an outpouring of your blessing over your people yes Lord there are people here for every facet of society Lord Jesus there are businessmen people uh, students and people whatever Lord Jesus um, public servant doesn't matter where they are there may be teachers here doctors everything Lord Jesus Wherever they are, where they are at, I pray and I of your blessing over them. So wherever they are, Lord Jesus, meeting their friends, there will be a blessing to the people around them, Lord. Yes, your blessing will flow out of their lives and touch many people. Moms and dads, kids at home, everybody, this we prophesy because we are people purchased. the blood of jesus thank you father in jesus name amen god bless you